Hello and welcome to episode one of the Data Busters podcast, the podcast for all things school data. It's been a busy month for everyone involved with schools as the long lazy days of summer fade into the distance and the chances of a quiet light in have reduced to pretty much zero. But who needs sleep when there's data to bust? This month, we will be mostly talking about the new Ofsted Education Inspection Framework, the revised IDSR, the Inspection Data Summary Report, and what everybody needs to know about standardised scores. I'm Richard Selfridge, author of Data Busting for Schools, and joining me, as always, is Jamie Pembroke, data buster extraordinaire, insight facilitator, and all-round data guru. Morning, Jamie. Hello. You all right, Richard? We're all good here. So, Jamie, it's... um. It's been a brave new world in schools as the focus of inspection, it's changed yet again. Spielman, who's the Ofsted, Ofsted chief and her team, they've been pretty hard at work and we've got this new, potentially more data literate inspection framework to work with. Uh, but before we get to the new one, Jamie, what were the issues from a data buster's point of view with the old framework, where we come from? Um, I, th- I think the big issue was that there was uh, a, a really heavy reliance on internal data and that data was of variable quality so uh, often accepting that internal data at face value so you'd come in and you would ask for data you'd ask for data on pupils progress and we were talking about fairly uh, abstract sort of numbers uh, without really ever questioning their uh, validity you know that we're talking about children making this much progress uh, you know three points six steps of progress and and it was it was like a I know it just seemed like a bit of an illusion that we were stuck in. And uh, I think that finally people are starting to question whether that data really mean anything. So uh, I think this is something we've built up to over a few years now, really. Yeah, we had all those uh, the, in, in the previous inspection framework. There was also, you know, you had to look at groups within school and you're mandated to, uh, to, yes. uh, to explore this information <laughs> and do things with it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so this this led to uh, schools obviously having to adopt highly complex software systems that would cut their data in uh, a thousand and one different ways. And uh, groups of pupils, subgroups of subgroups, um, you would always have to be prepared to show the performance, the attainment, the progress of boys against girls, uh, pupil premium against non-pupil premium, EAL against non-EAL, SEN against non-SEN. I mean, some of this stuff just seemed crazy. Start points, low, middle, high, prior retainers, different um, ethnicity groups. It was just bonkers, you know. And and then the subgroups upon subgroups of uh, summer-born boys, autumn-born girls that were or were not SEN. Um, it's just crazy. And and obviously, the consequence of that is that head teachers, senior leaders would spend hours or, or days, the entire half term, producing tables of data that either no one was going to look at or no one should be looking at because it was meaningless. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember us having, us having conversations um, with Ofsted, with Sean Harford and others, and, and just saying to them, look, this is, this is just crazy. And you could see the look on their faces of, well, okay, yeah, we sort of know, but what, what, what do we do? How do we move on? Yeah. Well, I, I guess uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of denial. It's like an addiction in a way. You know, there's mm. denial there. Uh, and you, and then when there's that acceptance, you have to wean yourself off it, and it can take a very, very, very long time. 
And even when you've got that direction, I remember um, Amanda Spielman's speech, uh, it was the, the Bryanston Summit, uh, I think, last mm. year, 2018. And she was talking about um, all the data on subgroups and talking about a lot of the differences. These apparent differences are really just statistical noise, was the phrase yep. she used. <laughs> so you start, I, I remember sitting up and listening to that thing and wow, you know, so is this like, does this mean the writing's on the wall for that? But you know that there's going to be a lag. You know that there's mm. still going to, it's going to take a long time for people to get the message that looking at percentages and averages of three children. Yeah. I, I've heard so many of these stories and I'm sure you have as well. Oh, I remember absolutely. someone seriously saying, a head teacher seriously saying that they had an inspector who was inquiring as to why the results of this particular group were below national average and they had three children in the group. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that when I started writing about this stuff, you know, three, four years ago and, and you were also contributing to it, we'd be saying things and, and, you know, people who worked within schools would be contacting us and saying, oh, my God, finally, somebody is, has, is saying what I've been thinking. And again, I think that discussion has really, you know, it's been it's been a slightly frustrating period as we've uh, uh, talked to people. But you can see that the penny has finally dropped. Yeah, <laughs> that but... certainly, you know, you can get that sense that uh, that things, you know, people were beginning to question things and therefore um, school inspection and what Ofsted were looking at doing. You could see that things were, were definitely going to move forward. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. been quite an interesting change, um, I, I think. Um, and looking at what's happened between the last inspection framework and obviously this new one, which came in in September. Um, I don't know. What are your expectations uh, with the new inspector, the new framework, you know, in these first few months as we uh, as the thing beds in? I, I think there's uh, <laughs> I think that some schools are sort of in a state of shock over this, really, even though, as I say, it has been building up to it. Uh, so it's not a sudden change. As you say, in, in the inspection framework, we have had this this move away from data to an extent where it's been saying, you know, that uh, they will they will work with whatever data schools choose to use. There's no real expectation on any particular format style or, or, mm. or, or sort of quantity of frequency of data and tracking and what have you. Mm. Um, but now this feels like the knife has come down. Bang. You know, it's mm. cut off and we're saying we're not going to look at it anymore. And I think that some people, I mean, from what I can gather, I think some people are very happy about this. Uh, you know, it's great. You know, that, that's, that's fantastic. It means that we'll finally not bother to track everything that moves six times a year. Yeah. But I think there yeah. are a lot, equally, there are a lot of people that are a bit shocked by this. It's going, they're going to carry on regardless. I know mm. schools are still tracking um, a lot of data you know, uh, at the individual objective level for not just reading, writing and maths in primary, but all the other subjects as well. Uh, they're still collecting, yes, I think six times a year or have you. So mm. it, it's going to take time for that message to get across. I think, as I say, some people are happy about this decision. Think, right, great. It is now time to reevaluate what we're doing. But there are some people who are um, unhappy uh, about it as well. So, I mean, a question for you is mm. that it feels a bit like possibly and I've heard this phrase used, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, mm -hmm. that in amongst all this dodgy data that schools have been collecting and using for years yep. and no one has ever questioned, and we've just kind of gone along with it, oh, yeah, child has made 4.72 points of progress this year. Yep. In amongst all that is good quality data as well that actually is possibly evidence. So yeah. things like standardised tests. Sure. Exactly. And is it right that um, we, we, we no longer regard that data as well? If that's mm. not in the mix. So what do you think about think about that 
Well, exactly. I think that um, it's certainly it's opened up a lot of opportunities for schools. They're definitely going to have to, you know, consider things um, that, that have been written into the inspection framework, particularly the school inspection handbook. You know, there's a whole that whole section on the school's use of assessment where they've taken on board all the messages about workload and they've written it down. They've basically said, you yep. know, we are going to look at this and we're going to say that if what you're doing is not adding value, um, yep. it's not worthwhile, yep. then we're, um, they're saying at least that they're going to criticise schools. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see if we see that in black and white in a, inspection reports where they actually say this school uses um, assessment badly or in yeah. a way that isn't, isn't good. You can read between the lines. I mean, that's, I think certainly from a teacher's point of view, you know, from my point of view as a teacher, you're assessing all the time, but of you're course. not necessarily writing all that assessment down. No. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about later about, you know, kind of why, why, you know, the use of standardized tests. There's so much that you could say about those. But again, some testing is clearly valuable. You want some, uh, some independent information. But again, I think the, the, the need to just, you know, as you, you and I know, tick a whole bunch of boxes and and do things which which you can't actually see how this is going to add to the education um, of the children you no. know I, I, you can see the why people might want to feel that they're that they're they're holding you to account in some way but actually it's just taking a lot of time it's not really adding to to what's happening in the classroom which from a teacher's point of view is what i'm really focused on so okay. i think that's really good that it's, it's been baked into the school inspection handbook to say actually we are going to have a good look at what you're doing with assessment if we think that you're if you're doing something that's unreasonable yeah mm. the, the holding to account is is uh is sort of an interesting phrase because mm. it, yeah it's, it's really important but maybe assessment data has been sort of too far on that side of things that it's been yeah. more about holding teachers to account than it has been focused on supporting children's learning um, mm. So anything that does uh, anything to to kind of reduce that or, or swing it the other way is is a good thing. I mean, we, we need yeah. to repurpose um, tracking systems. I mean, the phrase tracking systems just sounds kind of sinister, you know, yeah. but I think that teachers yeah. have had maybe um, a suspicion of all of this because they see it more uh, as being a process about tracking what they're doing um uh, rather than something that is used to support more children's learning yeah and um, i think yeah, yeah exactly and the concern you know because it now in the um, school inspection handbook there's the section which says that ofsted does not require schools to provide um performance on um pupil and pupil tracking info so they're saying you don't need right. to do that but that doesn't mean that yep. you shouldn't be doing some of that. <laughs> you no. know, there, may, there will no. be things that schools um, should clearly well, be doing. Useful. You don't have to do it in a particular um, format, but you should be doing something. Right. Mm. If it's useful, you'll carry on doing it. Yeah. If yeah. there are things that it, this is the sad thing, there will be there will now be schools mm. all around the country that are looking at their systems. Yeah. Uh, and I don't just mean I mean, I mean, processes rather than just software and sure. thinking, oh, maybe we don't need to do that anymore. And that yeah. speaks volumes, really, about yeah. the value of that process. And they're now <laughs> exactly. thinking, oh, we don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. So let's stop doing that. And you go, well, that's great that you've arrived at that. But how sad is it that you've been doing these things for so long? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, the real classic one, I mean, the real one that really worries me is that objective level tracking. And we've talked about that a lot, that there are teachers, either they've got long lists, paper lists, you know, that they're ticking off. Um, and it's sort of APP process. Often this is now on a tracking system where they are um, individually scoring and rag rating these learning objectives. Mm. It can't tell them anything they didn't already know because yes. it's what they knew in the first place. They're just collecting a load of their opinions on, on a spreadsheet and then thinking that 
by looking at this, that it's going to reveal something that I didn't already know is, is a complete fantasy. So that's, that is probably a waste of teachers' time, but it's taking them hours and hours. So that's something that we can um, hopefully look at, that schools will be looking at. But yeah, I, I am a bit worried that good quality data could be ignored in all this. And I know that Ofsted can't be seen to be um, sort of encouraging the use of, promoting the use of commercial tests. But, but um, someone asked me the question, now how many books can an Ofsted inspector look at isn't a spreadsheet of standardized test scores useful <laughs> information yeah uh, so i think that's something that we you know we we need to look at is it possible to evaluate the effectiveness of assessment without looking at the output of that assessment and if that assessment is a standardized test yeah, yeah. Yep, but I say I think I think there's lots of positives here. I mean, as ever with us, oh, yeah. we worry about the workload implications. But the fact that they've written down in the um, the inspection handbook that they're actually saying we want to know that you're actually doing something with all of this assessment as well. There's a bit about them talking about we want to we'll look at the time taken to act on the findings of any assessment, and that's again you just. I'm, I say, just so pleased to hear that they've finally got to the point of saying, right, if you're going to do this stuff, what are you actually doing with it? All of that said, again, I think the proof will be in the pudding. I think we'll just have to see how it's going to be really fascinating as, as the first reports come out. And as much as you don't want to spend too much time reading yep. the runes, that's what's going to happen. You know that everybody's going to have a look at these first reports as they come out. But anyway, I think cautious optimism is probably where we are at the moment. And I say just a relief that there seems to be a little bit more data literacy um, certainly a lot more offset centrally yeah. and hopefully there is more within the inspection system yeah excellent yeah. we shall see how it all yeah. turns out I, I i am certainly pleased to see that statement um in in the Ofsted handbook about schools choosing to uh track or collect data more than six uh, more than three times a year yeah. we'll have to have clear reasoning uh for doing so because uh there are obviously a lot of schools that are tracking uh, more frequently than that and that is a concern i mean it w when you're told you need to record data that supposedly shows some change you're going to have to try and find evidence of that change so it becomes yeah. more but if you're doing it three times a year then then it's sort of fairly broad but yeah. if you're doing it six times a year you're going to have to find um yeah. more and more and more information it's, it's like getting down on your hands and knees and measuring the plants to see how much they've grown in millimeters and making a record of that i mean it's just crazy because the amount of data you have to collect in order to see this these minute changes yeah it's a as you say it's a huge workload issue and i'm glad that they're challenging it yeah yeah so uh, to wrap up on this then so uh, so what what do you think that schools should be doing for now then given this new inspection framework things have changed they that people got an opportunity to, to reconsider what they're doing I, I think that schools need to have an honest conversation um mm. and not just amongst senior leaders i think a lot of these processes are too top down mm. um and this is an in, in, issue in individual schools it can be an in, in, an, an issue certainly in a mat or or maybe from a local a local authority uh, that, that they're quite top down. This is what you should be doing. And actually what I think we need to be doing is involving teachers in all this about having conversations about, look, you currently do this. Do you think it's useful? Yeah. If you didn't do this, is there something that you could do that is more useful than this? <laughs> Let's try and build our systems from the classroom upwards. Let's yeah. try and repurpose them. Let's try and turn this on its head because then you get, you, you change the culture of data in the school, you know, that, that suddenly it, it, it changes from being something that maybe teachers are, are suspicious of. Is this about tracking my performance 
to being something that they have a vested interest in and therefore uh, have more faith in. Yeah, no, I think as I say it brings lots of opportunities. As I say, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how how things move forward. As well as the changes in the framework, we've also got a shiny new IDSR, the Inspection Data Summary Report, which is the latest iteration of what was Raise Online and the Ofsted Data Dashboard. But it's looking like it might finally be something which is cautiously to be welcomed. I don't know. What are your thoughts on what we've seen so far? Well, let's, uh, yeah, All right, let, let's do a little uh, catch up on the yeah. history of this. So I, I remember uh, when Raise Online for a primary school was 101 pages long, I think. And, uh, in, and it was extraordinary. And I think, weren't there like progress matrices for every single group of children and all sorts of things? So it was 101 pages long. Yeah. And then it went on a bit of a diet and it uh, turned it, it, the, it came back as 63 pages long. And um, that was seen as a bit of a uh, progress, you know, 63 pages. Um, and then obviously we got rid of Ray's about four years ago, I think. Exactly. We had all the little, uh, the little G's. Came out. Mm. Do you remember the yeah. little G's that we had in the, in the Ray's online reports for the, G for governor? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a page with, and, it, and it pretty much had a G on every single page. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And you think, and there actually were pages without a G on. You think, well, why not this page? This is actually quite a useful one. It was absolutely nuts. And yeah. obviously, ASP came out, and yeah. um, ASP when it first came out, they're saying, "Oh, this is going to be a much simpler system." Um, it, it is. It, it is more simple. Um, but schools tend to, when it comes to governors, you mentioned governors there, they go into the reports in ASP and they print out the. Uh, school summary report, which is about 40 odd pages long. It just yeah. dumps out every single page of ASP. Yeah. And then I do governor training where you see these poor governors. You've got this big wedge of paper stapled together. They sit there going, oh, we've got this. Oh, God, put it back in your bag. Um, <laughs> so and at the same time, they brought out the um, the Ofsted data dashboard. So that was three years ago. Mm. Um do you remember that? It was a, it yeah. was a, a kaleidoscope of colours mm. and they tried <laughs> yeah. to pack in absolutely everything onto this. I don't know how many pages long. It was about 16, 20 yeah. pages long. Yeah. Um, and they had data on uh, children with special educational needs and disadvantaged children, all these different groups, all represented by different little bars um, mm. with little confidence intervals. Um, they had progress charts and they had attainment charts and there was lots of different colors. And on one page, the color meant one thing. And on another page, the color meant something else. Here it meant um, low prior attaining and here it meant free school meals. And I, it was chaos. <laughs> so then that and at the same time, they had that um, governor dashboard thing online, which lasted about a year. And it just had about three bar charts that told you nothing. Yep. Do you remember those? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but the, the, the fascinating thing, which I always found as a, as a classroom teacher. So when Ray's was, was in its heyday, um, you know, so it, it was it was used by schools. It was used by um, uh, school leaders. But in the classroom, you never saw Ray's. No, so you didn't see any of this no, 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 no. That's oh, not from you. In the you know, why? Why would you want to know? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, and then I said, but then when the data dashboards came out, those were suddenly they were they were available publicly. So as a school teacher, you could look at those and go and see them. I mean, you could look at Ray's if you want to go and ask somebody. But to ask somebody in school about, you know, data again, four or five years ago was that was it was that was just wasn't done. You know, just no. don't don't ask. You know, we'll no. tell you what the data is. You don't ask about it. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, um, I, the, 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 
the the dashboard, the offset dashboard was a bit of a um, a, a dog's dinner, really, and really complicated. And I remember having to do governor training on that. And it was so painful. Mm. It was as painful as going for a raise report. It was bad. Yeah. So the following year, they brought out the first version. They changed the name of it and they took mm. away a lot of data relating to groups and they brought out the Ofsted inspection data um, summary. So mm. we had the, the um, IDSR mm. um, and the IDSR came out and it had these, uh, it was 22 pages long, I think, mm-hmm. or something like that. Or was it, I don't know. Anyways, it was, uh, it was shorter and it had these areas to investigate. So we had yes, these right. areas to investigate. And mm. but it was quite similar in that it had a lot of progress data and a lot of attainment data. Um, the areas to investigate people were confused by mm. because the area said in the areas to investigate, but it had the first version. Do you remember it had the it yeah. had the it had sorry, it had strengths and weaknesses. That's right. And it had That's the right. strengths and weaknesses that were split. Yeah. And then it was a later version where they think, let's merge all these together and we'll call them areas to investigate. And people are now looking at it thinking, well, why are they they're straight? But they're saying there is to investigate what's going on here. What's the sinister motive here? Why are these yeah. things that are apparently strong and, and positive? Why are they areas to investigate? So it would say uh, area to investigate. Uh, the performance of middle prior attaining boys in reading was significantly above average for the last two years. And you go, right. So what's the area to investigate here? Is it because the performance of low prior attaining girls and what have you in writing is not. So why is it not consistently significantly above across the board? You know, so you start to read between the lines, I think was a problem with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, again, and the, the problem with all of this, you, you know, from talking to the, the yeah. powers that be, that they, they knew that they needed to try and simplify things so that they could say, you know, actually try and make these things usable. But of course, you know, and there's so much detail in there. And then they, 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 they then oversimplify things by putting, you know, nice pretty colours and green is good and, and red is dodgy and, uh, and blue at one point. Was, oh, blue was, was in rays. Yeah, blue meant significantly below in yeah. rays. But in yeah. other parts of rays, red meant significantly below. Um, exactly. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, the blue and there's a meant bit... all sorts of things. Uh, there was, yeah, so it was, it's using, using one colour... Mm. to mean different things or different colors to mean the same thing it's yeah. uh genius really and this so, latest version looks okay i mean again it, 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 there's, it's improved i think it's much improved it's still got a, you can still see that tension between trying to uh, find some useful information to share um and not oversimplifying it and there's still the, the colors are still frustrating and the fact that they still use statistical significance in a way that they shouldn't do but there we are um we can talk about that at another time um we but will. yeah it seems to at least i don't know it, it it's again as with lots of things it seems to be a move in the right direction right um, and it's it's uh, i think probably more clear now what's interesting about it so last year they massively trimmed it down and it, i think it was yeah. about 11 pages 12 pages long a primary one last year um mm-hmm. they did do some crazy stuff i think like they had mm-hmm. for key stage one they had bar charts to show attainment what they did do for key stage one was strip out um the any mention of prior attainment for key stage one because in the first version of the idsr yeah. They put the key stage one results in the context of foundation stage results. So they use the foundation stage to um, mm. add in that low, middle, high prior attaining element, yeah. uh, which some people thought, yeah, that's useful. And some people thought, no. 
But mm. and so last year they had um, they had the key stage one data, but they stripped out that mention of the key stage one prior attainment. Yeah, the, the, the foundation stage data. Mm. Um, at, but at key stage two, they had progress. But the only data on attainment for key stage two was that weird scaled score distribution graph. Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah, that, absolutely. That showed how your scaled score distribution compared to the sort of the national. And they did some yeah. kind of a magical conversion to make sure you could compare the two. Um, and no one understood it. Uh, no. And they go, I, I don't know what this means. I don't know really. It was quite useful, I suppose, if all of your children got up to 100 and then it just fell off a cliff and no one got more than 100 in key stage two tests. Yeah. But they had progress data, big focus on progress data, nothing really on attainment. Key stage one, obviously all on attainment, nothing really on progress because there isn't anything and no mention of prior attainment or whatever. So it was a bit of a mess. And now yeah. we come here and what we've got is um, four pages of potentially four pages of area, um, areas of interest, they're called now, areas not areas to investigate, yeah. which is a much better phrase, areas of interest. Then you can think, I can see now why they're positive and negative areas of interest so like four pages of that two pages of context which mm -hmm. i think is welcome yeah and then only one page yeah of data mm -hmm. nothing on groups the only mention no, no on groups, groups. Yep. nothing on groups except in the areas of interest it will mention groups performance if they significantly underperform in relation to the school as a whole exactly yeah and even then the groups are Again, the, the groups they're going to look at are just uh, prior attainment groups, really, aren't they? Yeah, uh, I think that they will deal with disadvantaged, won't they? Right. I think okay. it's possible disadvantaged. Um, yeah. But yeah, so in the back, you've got this table mm -hmm. which shows over the last three years for reading, writing and maths at key stage two, uh, what your progress was, uh, what your attainment. And it shows it's basically a ranking thing. It's what quintile yeah. you're in. And it shows red or green yep. <laughs> if they're significantly below or not. Oh, we are going to get onto the issues of that. And yep. hopefully and, and an up or down arrow to show if there's a significant improvement or decline on the previous year, which, of course, we used to have in raised and we still have in FFT data. Yeah, exactly. So, so all of that data boiled down now. Um, we've mm. gone from a 101 page long raised report yep. to a six, seven page long IDSR. Only the back page has got actually any data yep. on it. The rest is narrative. Is narrative, is that? Yeah, and again, you can see how it definitely links into the changes um, uh, in the inspection um, summary report and the fact that, you know, this is a, um, it is a, a inspection data um, summary report and you can see how the two things link together. But it, it all gives the sense that yeah there's a movement and we're getting away from again it's almost as if the uh, the closing the gap the narrowing the gap the diminishing the difference all of that narrative is just being put to one side it's as if it didn't really happen <laughs> and it's just gone well we've always had these issues of like schools are sort of left scratching their heads where they're being told uh you've got to close the gap and you yeah. totally understand right you, you know it's, it's yeah. really important that we focus there's clearly uh, a, a gap there between the most disadvantaged um so focus on the gap, but but make sure you also challenge the most able and yeah. that they're supposed to make accelerated progress and get, you know, high scores and greater depth. But you've got to close the gap as well. And and sometimes it just feels like this whole closing the gap agenda when it comes to the data is just chasing rainbows, really. Yeah, which is kind of why it's I say we've just moved on. It's it's it, we've moved on. People have worked through it. They've done their best. They've tried to find out the best way to support and um, particularly groups that, that are, are not making progress in school. 
but there, there aren't any magic bullets, it would appear. You know, we've got the whole Education Endowment Foundation doing their thing. But anyway, it's not in this report. And I think that tells its own story, the fact that there's very little about groups. And I, I think it's such, a, it's such a clumsy measure when you're just treating this uh, disadvantaged group as this kind of homogenous group. You're just this, they're, they're, there's the disadvantaged group. When you actually look at that group, just like any other group, there are these massive overlaps with other groups as well. So that's always been a massive challenge um, for, for schools when you have children that are also spe um, have special educational needs or, or there are language barriers and those sorts of things there that, that you've then got to explain away. And that's why it's good to see that focus on context again. Because I remember when yep. context got shoved to the back of the raised report yeah. and that was really worrying. And it's good to see some of the elements of that coming back in here, including that, um, uh, that account of the sort of the context of children with special educational needs by primary need. Sure. I think that's a useful element. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So again, I mean, I'm, I'm fully expecting further changes in the future, but I think with this one, um, we look like we're kind of pretty much where there's positive um, aspects to it. It's certainly shorter, easier for schools to use. And again, it'll be interesting to see. If anybody's got any comments, we're open to you getting in touch with us. So please do, you can, um, uh, you can text us in things, you can contact us via Twitter and so on. We'll give you some details a bit later. But I don't, for you in school, what's, you know, what's your um, impression? If you've had a good look at this, let us know. So it's time for our regular, what everybody needs to know about slot. Um, which is a slot where we'll look at various aspects of data and the wonderful world of data. Um, this month, we thought we'd just start off just having a quick look at um, standardised scores, standardised tests, just, just a bit of an overview of things which we'll come on to in future episodes. Um, because as all of you who work with or in schools now, you'll know that... Um, We've changed what we're doing in the way to assess children. There's a lot more testing that's being used, which is more formal testing. Um, and often you'll have standardized tests, so uh, um, which result in standardized scores. And there's some confusion about all of this. So um, we thought we'd just have a quick look at it just as an overview of standardized scores and tests. Um, the, my main observation with um, standardized scores is that the things which, which you really need to know as a teacher, as somebody in school, is that, you know, they're the they're unbiased information. So you can get some unbiased information which is independent of you as a teacher, of you as a school. Um, so you have something against which you can test what you have um, figured out about the children you're teaching or the children in your school. Um, and it's quite rare to get unbiased information. I mean, in, in school, you don't tend to get it until the children are six, seven years old. Before that, a lot of the time, you're having to make a lot of assumptions. And you know those assumptions are, are reasonable, um, but they are assumptions. So, uh, so we'll have a look at how those work because, again, using standardized tests, you get some unbiased information. It's a relative assessment. It doesn't tell you what the children definitely know, but it does put them into some kind of distribution. Um, and then you get into distributions that you get standardized scores, which we'll talk about later. Um, those are often very confused because, of course, in schools, we talk about standardized scores. And then we've got scaled scores as well. I know this drives you nuts, Jamie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it does. I, I think that uh, it would have been helpful, possibly, if the DfE had chosen uh, a scale for their scaled scores that didn't look almost exactly <laughs> like the scale that, yeah. that schools are already used to um, yeah. uh, through their uh, NFDR tests, their Rising Stars tests, their star assessment tests or, mm. or, or GL or what have you. Um, for, for years, schools have been doing CAT tests and NFDR tests and reading and maths, et cetera, et cetera. And they've yeah. had uh, standardized scores as an output from that. 
And mm. then over the last few years, obviously, we've got to grips with scaled scores. And, uh, well, it's hardly surprising that the two things have got uh, confused when they look almost mm. identical. Um, the scale is different. We've, yep. uh, at Key Stage 2, we have a scale that runs from 80 to 120. Uh, it doesn't go below that or, or, or above that. Um, but whereas your, your, uh, your standardized scores will run from below 70 to above 130, children can get, it's almost open-ended, you can get children getting 60s, uh, even 50, and you can get children that are getting 140-something if they're in the top 0.1% nationally. So there is this confusion uh, with how the two scales line up, or if they line up at all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, what, basically what we're talking about here is, on the one hand, standardized scores derived from, which is from a norm-reference scale, uh, mm. So you've got that norm reference distribution where 100 indicates the average. And on the mm. other one, we've got essentially a criterion reference test where 100 indicates the standard. Yep. Um, if you confuse the two, then you're really seriously uh, misaligning those two things. Because if you think 100 on the scaled score, 100 scaled score from a key stage two test is the same as 100, uh, then you're making a big mistake. They're very different. Um, 100 on those standardized scores, average 100 on those um, key stage two tests is the, uh, is, is the expected standard and that the average changes every year. Exactly. And I think this kind of gives you a flavor of the, um, what everybody needs to know <laughs> that kind of slot. Because again, the terms which you and I would use norm referencing, criterion referencing, um, you know, distributions, a lot of those things, again, for people in schools, particularly teachers, but also governors and, you know, even some cases, people in, in um, senior management, senior leadership teams, you know those those the terminology and what that all actually means is is it's not obvious and um, a lot of people haven't had a, a huge amount of, of training um particularly when they when they enter um teaching the first few years there's so much you're doing you don't really tend to have learned that much and i'm finding when i'm in schools now that actually the younger generation of teachers have some sense of all of this but those people who've been working in, sc in schools for a, for a longer period of time you know if you if you work during the heyday of levels and you know uh, say i've been teaching 17 odd years now um you get you had that sense that you know, these numbers had somehow meant something you were somewhat incorrect in thinking that but that they meant very particular things and that and that there was a, a progression and so on and so forth people make mistakes about standardized scores uh, yeah. so i think we should yeah i mean the progression thing's really interesting isn't it? so mm. so there is uh, you still come across this where there is this expectation of progression through standardized scores uh, so, yeah, a child gets uh, 101 on one test, they're expected to get 103 on the next one and then 105 or 107. Yeah. Even schools are adding on, you know, saying, well, if they got this, then let's add on a point per year. And at the end of key stage two, they should be getting this much. It's, it, and then so well, you've got you've got 101 on your your year three NFER test. So therefore, you should be getting 105 because I've added four on in your key stage two sats. And there are some really quite worrying things. I think I've said this to you before. You give someone two numbers, they'll subtract one number from the other, and that's, press, that's progress. Um, so subtracting one standardized score from another equals uh, minus three or, or plus three, and that's supposed to be indicative of progress. So of course, also, these tests are very fuzzy. Yeah. Um, so some shifts either way is perfectly acceptable and is nothing to worry about. They're not particularly meaningful. The other issue, and I think we'll get onto this in, in more detail, is, is how well those tests align with your curriculum. Because if they mm -hmm. don't align well with your curriculum, then you're more likely to get uh, sort of false negatives in, in these tests. And it's a particular issue with the earlier ones. So I think mm -hmm. with the end of year test, it's probably not so much of an issue. 
But if you're testing children on stuff at the end of the autumn term that they haven't covered at that point, you're going to get low scores. But as a head teacher once said to me, yeah, but when they get better scores at the end of the year, it makes them look like they've made great progress, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So I think, again, it will be interesting to get into this and have a good look at it because it, it's stuff that uh, certainly I know that you um, when I'm in schools, when you're in schools, people are just crying out for information about these kinds of things. So we'll, we'll move on to those. But essentially, as I say standardized tests and standardized scores, they are really useful because yeah. it's unbiased information. It's fuzzy, as you say, and it's not it's not absolutely precise, but it gives you it gives you something which you can't get yourself from your own teaching or from what happens within schools. So we'll see how all that works as we move on. Yeah. Well, that's it for this month. The Data Busters podcast will be published monthly during the academic year. Yep, because we're dreaming of next August already and is available on all good podcast outlets. Um, if there is anything you'd like to find out more about, about the current state of data, anything which has come up from this podcast, you might want to join us at one of our data busting events around the country. Or if you've got any questions, feel, friend, feel free to send us a voice message, um, voice recording. Or contact us on Twitter, either uh, I'm at Jack underscore Marwood or at Jay Pembroke. And that's us, Jamie. First one out of the way. Yeah, well, that was great. That was fun. And I'm looking forward to the next one because there is uh, plenty to talk about. I've already got about 30 episodes mapped out in my head. Absolutely. You can hear it from those discussions we're having where say we're mentioning things which I know that, um, that we're very familiar with. But let's say from conversations that I have all the time, people... Uh, are often just you know, they want to know a little bit more about particular aspects of, uh, of uh, uh, the terminology, the data, you know, the reasoning behind some of the things which happen particularly in testing. Um, and I said, there's lots more to cover, I think. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Yeah, there's uh, a deep mind to mine. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So anyway, in the meantime, everybody, best of luck with the new Ofsted framework. Send us your views on the IDSR and keep data busting. Hello and welcome to the Data Busters podcast, the podcast for all things school data. With the manic five weekends in two weeks fast approaching, it's time to put down the tinsel, grab a mince pie and pull up a chair for the next half hour. The autumn term is almost over. Let's rejoice. This month we'll be having an in-depth look at the DfE's recently updated primary school's performance tables, which are available on all good web browsers near you. We're also going to look at what everyone needs to know about the phonics screening check.